0: go
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to splash play the fantasy football slash dfs slash sports betting podcast i'm here with my guy chris bags we have a great show for you today including the final tally of who we are going to give the arnie weinmeister signed index card to plus a recap of week five we got the waiver wire pick the earliest waiver wire pick in all of the land chris are you ready for today's show
0: I've never been more ready and thankfully all of our limbs seem to be attached on like poor Dak Prescott. So we've got that going for us here. <laughs> we not, we're not allowed to make jokes now about graphic injuries. Whatever. Let's just go to the intro then and hopefully it'll be better on the other side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday night edition of Splash Play, your favorite fantasy football podcast. Where, of course, we talk about the fantasy football, we talk about the NFL DFS, we talk about the sports betting, all of the SEO terms that YouTube needs to know to qualify us as good at fantasy football. I'm Chris Spaggs here once again with your friend and mine. His name's Peter Overzet. Follow him at Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete?
1: doing good, man. You know, we, uh, I had a little bit of a heater going these past few weeks came crashing back down to earth. Although I will say I have not seen or reviewed my ride or die picks. Has our accountant Willis been in there tallying those?
0: I tallied some of them up and, uh, you know, I'm going to say I'm not thrilled with the results, I guess would be the way to put it. But I think Willis might've put in some corrections as well, but I think either way it does look, I don't want to spoil it, but it does look like Pete You've gotten back on the wagon after an O for a week last week.
1: Yes, I mean it's it's would have literally been impossible for me to do worse than I did last week. So I don't know if I can be that excited, but it's nice to put some points up again.
0: And the important thing is, if you were tailing Pete this week, you might have won a lot of money, or at least not lost as much money as you would have otherwise. So that's why you should be subscribed to this channel, of course on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. If you're listening on or watching on YouTube, give us a little like that helps us out a bunch here, and leave a comment. Let us know who you are down below. Let us know who your favorite fantasy player is. Let us know who killed you this week in fantasy football, because that's part of the fun of it all, is getting blown up every single week. And of course you can follow us at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and Instagram. First thousand followers for both of those will get followed back, so if you are dying to get followed by a fantasy football podcast of i'll say great quality but uh middling reach (laughs) i think that's the way to have it happen go follow at splash play pod and do that and uh peak a lot a lot of week five stories here we have to hit on and i want to talk of course um, the the surprising outcome, it's it's honestly getting to the point of being mentally taxing for me that people keep winning a million dollars watching Splash Play while we're here just rubbing two nickels together, trying to make it work every single week. But the big thing we have to talk about first, Dak Prescott, that injury he had, um, even though I, you know, I'm even reluctant to half joke about it because it was a bad injury, but he's going to get paid either way. I feel like those are the times where you could be like, yeah, all right, fine. We could, we could just laugh at the fact that this is the classic Dallas Cowboys situation. Andy Dalton, uh the ginger sensation here coming in as a Cowboys starting quarterback it looks like but Pete, how do you feel watching that injury? Did you see the injury live first of all of Dak and how do you feel about the Cowboys prospects?
1: Yeah, I did see it live. We were doing watching the Tilt Space and we had played the Thunderdome this week the $5300 contest on DraftKings that the three of us split and we had a Dak double stack in that contest and granted we were already dead before the injury happened but watching that live was just one of those feelings where you feel sick to your stomach, where you see the injury. The one I equated to, do you remember when uh Gordon Hayward on opening mm. night had that injury and it just, yeah, the like, alley
0: oop, that was a downer.
1: Yeah. It just like feels so gross. Like I don't even have jokes. Like it's, it's gross. And also Dak had become like, you know, we talk about splash plays on here. I mean, he was the King quarterback of splash plays him and Russell Wilson this year. And to have him, go down like that, right. When Dallas was becoming the favorite, you know, they were America's team in general, Dallas, they were fantasy's team this year (laughs) and to lose him and to, you know, go down to Andy Dalton. I I'm pretty gutted because it's just such a bummer.
0: It's a downer for him. And, you know, too, the, the franchise tag thing, I feel like another time to maybe look at how that process goes in the NFL where a player is held under contract and you know, it's not going to hurt Dak that much. He's not like he's a fringe quarterback who's missing out on a payday. He's probably still going to get as much money as possible, either from the Cowboys or somebody else. Uh, but I think it's something that you look at it and it's like, oh, this sucks. Like he's getting paid thirty five million dollars and it seems hard to imagine him getting back in this year, though. He's getting surgery already, Pete. So I guess that's a positive for him.
1: Yeah, I saw some talk about it, and I kind of agreed that it, it makes it less likely that he's probably on the Cowboys long-term, but he's still going to get paid. Like, quarterbacks are the hottest commodity in football. Everyone knows you need a franchise quarterback, and someone I think I saw equate it to the Kevin Durant situation when he had his injury. Like, Dak's going to get his money, but it's just such a bummer to see, you know, what they were kind of building in Dallas. You know, they had tried to put together the elements of a super team. You know, around them bringing in Amari, you know, and of course to to pair with with Zeke, and then they draft Ceedee Lamb, who looks awesome, and and now to have it all kind of crumbling down this year is it just, it's just is just sick.
0: Yeah, and Amari, not too great today, but um, I do think Andy Dalton, somebody we're going to be coming up and talking about in a little bit in our waiver wire snake draft, of course, a part we'll be doing a little bit later in the show. All the timestamps are in the description, so if you are a person who's just checking out the show for the first time, you want to jump around, feel free to do that by clicking all of those different timestamps down there. But, you know, we prefer we you listen to all of our rambling leading up to it. I feel like that's this is all the foreplay that leads to the good stuff, I feel like.
1: Yeah, we will, uh, we will get into it. There's some interesting... Uh, we have injury situations with guys like you mentioned with Andy Dalton stepping into roles. We have breakout rookies. We have, we have some interesting situations and we will get you guys prepared for your waiver wire uh, bids this week very early here on late Sunday evening.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about, of course, uh, the Millionaire Maker winner. Once again, I really need to point out the the rarity that it is for a show to really hit the streets for the first time and continue to have viewers and listeners continue to win a million dollars every week. It's great, Pete. I think, you know, it does make me feel a little bit bad, but I'm just happy these guys keep taking something, some gem of wisdom for whether it's from me and you, whether it's from Ian Hart, it's our first guest that we had on Thursday. It's great to see it, yet it also, you hate to see at the same time that we're not thriving quite as much.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm torn about it. I get where you're coming from, but on the other hand, you know, I I can look at the money in my DraftKings account and it I don't feel anything. You know, those are just numbers. And yet, when I see one of our listeners win and I see the joy on their face and how thankful and appreciative they are of us and the advice we dole out each week, that really makes it move for me. That gives me the warm fuzzies. So to see J Duke 24. I mean that guy's in our comments every week. He's peppering us with. I think he follows us on Instagram. He follows us on Facebook. I didn't even know we had a Facebook account. And Jay Duke twenty four is over there. So I, this is just a big win for all of us collectively. Spags.
0: You no, know, that's true. And you know, if Jay Duke wants to throw us a little tip, again, I look like a piano player at a bar, according to Pete in our last episode. So I'll take the tip jar. I'll put it out for Jay Duke if he wants. But let's talk about his lineup. And this is where this is one of those times where it's like, ah, uh, this is what hurt me the most. He had a Patrick Mahomes stack as his default as his baseline stack here to get the big day. Mahomes 33.7 fantasy points. Mahomes underowned this week quite a bit. A bit of a shocking loss for Kansas City. But uh, Pete, did you land on Mahomes a good amount? Because uh, we talked before about my old friends, the Monte Carlo Sims, the computer simulations that helped me decide if a player's underowned or overowned. And uh, Mahomes came up a lot for me, but I'll tell you what, I didn't win a million dollars with him.
1: Yeah, no, I, the two quarterbacks I had narrowed down to late in the week were Mahomes and Watson. And then when I saw kind of like the ownership flipping, like I saw a lot of steam on Mahomes and I thought Dak was a slightly better play, just cost and ownership adjusted and his ownership was dropping. So then I ended up kind of getting off of Mahomes to Dak, which didn't work out like it did for J. Duke.
0: Yeah, so help me, God, if they take Patrick Mahomes from us after they took Dak, I, I don't know what I'll be responsible for, but probably something I'll just complain a lot here on an internet video, probably. The rest of the lineup, Devonta Freeman made it into the Millionaire Maker, which is a bit of a shocker, but was a pretty good spot against a Dallas defense that's been bad against the past, but somehow on paper, worse against the run. Todd Gurley had that one big run play. I think still looks kind of not full Todd Gurley mode, but was enough to get going against Carolina today in a game Atlanta Really, wasn't even a factor in that game for the most part. Darius Slayton, part of it. Tyreek Hill was part of that Mahomes stack. Chase Claypool, and Pete, we have to talk about this because, I mean, he's going to come up in stat shaming. I'm going to tease that out right now, but Chase Claypool, 45.6 fantasy points, three touchdowns receiving, one touchdown rushing, 100 yards receiving as well. Did you even have a single share? Because I can tell you, I did not think about Chase Claypool at any point over the last week.
1: No, like, and I, you know, I, I play Dynasty and, and Chase Claypool is even a guy I have stashed on a couple of my FFPC season long rosters just because he's an exciting guy. He looks like Martavis Bryant, but this week in DFS, no way. And the thing that blew my mind is like, I kind of get if, if he was the stone minimum at 3000, he was 4,100. Like, I do not know how you get him into your lineup at that price.
0: Yeah, there's there's a logic too. Like I got some Jeff Smith this week because Olamide Zacchaeus was gonna be or Zacharias. Am I missing? I might be missing a syllable in there. I think it's Zacharias. I think it's Zacchaeus. Yeah. yeah so whatever. Somewhere in there, Olamide. Let's call him o- uh, Mide, That's our friend. He's got the Mide touch uh, where everything he touches turns absolute shit. I guess at least for this week. But three uh, K stone minimum for him. Jeff Smith, same thing. And I like like Pete mentioned. Like if he's the minimum, if Chase Claypool is the minimum. I could see being like, yeah, you know what? I'll take a flyer on him at forty one hundred. I mean. A guy 11xing his value is a thing that really that happens in NBA doesn't really happen in NFL quite as much. And uh, just in the way that he did, too, where every score was coming from him. And it was frustrating to me because James Conner was a guy I was really riding or dying by this week. And it's just Chase Claypool, uh, Claypool getting rushing touchdowns, Claypool getting the ball everywhere. I don't see that happening again. Pete, do you think that he's the four touchdown? Is he the full Al Bundy every week moving forward?
1: No. And I mean, the other thing about this, and I would never tell Jay Duke, he made a mistake. I mean, he's done so much for this show that I would never say that, but he did, the Deontay Johnson left the game early and that kind of opened him up to be in three wide receiver sets with Juju and James Washington. And, you know, we've seen this play out a lot of times where defenses haven't planned for a guy. You assume Deontay Johnson goes out, let's shade our coverage to Ebron and to Juju and stuff. And they, uh, they forgot about chase Claypool, but as a process standpoint, I don't know how he did it. And that's why Jay Duke is such a valuable asset to our community because he's an oracle.
0: That's true. He's, he's always in the mix here, giving out great picks, giving out great advice. And, and he maybe has a, at least a, a shakable eight ball that he can do around, if not a crystal ball. Um, we'll, we'll ask him, of course, because we're such close friends. Why could we not? Uh, tight end, he had Travis Kelsey, receiver, splash play Bob, a millionaire maker once again uh, for Jay Duke. So that's the clear sign. If anybody plays Robbie Anderson on DFS in season long fantasy football, that's how you know. That's like the secret handshake of being a splash play listener or viewer.
1: We, we kind of ran pure we adopted Robbie Anderson splash play Bob as our mascot before he became a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL by consensus, like everyone pretty much agrees to that at this point, we got in on the ground floor.
0: Yeah, if, if some could say we made him. I don't want to take full credit. I feel like it's more one of those things where you know he's got a strong back and maybe we massaged his back a little to <laughs> unlock its full potential. Um, not in a creepy way, in like a way. Easy there, way. Bobby Craft. Yes, exactly. Uh, The happiest of endings for Robbie Anderson, we can only hope. And the defense, the Ravens got a monster day against Joe Burrow. Uh, One of the things that we talk about on here, and really any show that you listen to who's a little bit sharper than the average show, should tell you a guy who drops back a lot going against the defense. Joe Burrow's been throwing it upwards of 60 times in some games. And uh, if you're going to do that as a rookie against the Ravens, who are bringing a lot of pressure from all over the field, you're going to see results like the Ravens got today. And uh, yeah, that's that's the story of the week with the Millionaire Maker. And congratulations to Jay Duke, of course, one of our nearest and dearest friends and watchers slash listeners on this show. Uh, and Pete, one other big story here, which is not a Sunday story, but I feel like we have to hit on it here. I mean, it does affect our picks for later in the show. We'll give our Monday night and now our Tuesday night football picks, I guess. Uh, but Monday night football, Michael Thomas suspended for the game after he reportedly punched C.J. Gardner-Anderson, or Gardner-Johnson. I don't even know who he is, so I'm not going to not gonna even pretend. Um, but I would say this the situation, Pete, we thought he might be out because of injury, and now he's out because of punching somebody. And this Saints season kind of seems cursed in a way that's hard to replicate
1: yeah it's wild and we kind of know michael thomas has this reputation as being this kind of hothead guy we've seen him get into beefs i think it was Devonte parker there was some instagram photo about whose play was better and he was going after him and he's been like very passive aggressive and cryptic on twitter so you kind of knew he had some of these insecurities but to get in a fight with a teammate. That we don't even know. And we know like superstars in the NFL, they get the benefit of the doubt at every single turn. Like he could do awful, awful things. And he would still be able to play football. Like he had to have done something so bad, so unprovoked and so uncalled for that they had no choice just to not, you know, lose touch with the rest of the locker room. So This is not a good look for Michael Thomas here.
0: It was funny because I saw some reports on Twitter of like, oh, Michael Thomas is such a big star. Like he must have punched Drew Brees or something to get suspended. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, could you imagine if he punched Drew Brees? And uh, I feel like Drew Brees' jaw could not withstand that.
1: No, I mean, although Drew Drew Brees took a beating this summer uh, with his tone deaf comments (laughs) about, uh, you know, kneeling and all of that stuff. So maybe his thin uh, chin is a little bit uh, more thick these days. But yeah. I I think it goes back to that thing of like, you can't walk. I assume maybe like sucker punched him or did something stupid. And the the rest of the locker room is looking around being like, if you let this go, like you lose us too. And the team had to probably take a stand, but I guess Michael Thomas, if we put ourselves in his shoes, you know, very rough start to the season has been banged up. Hasn't really produced much saints, not doing that great. He's probably a little frustrated, but uh, Hey, Michael Thomas, don't hit your teammates
0: it's true you can't guard Mike can't uh, avoid getting punched by him apparently and uh, a bit of a downer for him but certainly if you if you took him in your leagues and you paid that steep price that would have come with him based upon last year's results you're probably not happy about it and um, we're, we're going to talk about the Monday night game uh, picks again later in the show Pete but uh, who do you think benefits here because I know Traquan Smith's been going off I looked a little bit at showdown haven't gotten a chance to run the Sims and all of that but um, I still think that Manuel Sanders is going to have the bigger week this week but is it another Traquan week for you for showdowns or are I guess if you have Michael Thomas and Traquan, like I think in season long, it's pretty obvious. Just put Traquan in if you have him and you can't play Michael Thomas now.
1: Yeah, I know Jared Cook is still questionable for tomorrow. It sounded like he was trending in the right direction. So that's kind of interesting. We know no one wants to go back to Adam Troutman <laughs> after the zero. So yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, Kamara's workload is going to be massive. And then it's probably one of Emmanuel Sanders or Traquan who has the other big game. It's a nice spot. I feel like it could be a blow up spot. The chargers have been playing in their fair share of shootouts. So yeah, I definitely want to get one of those wide receivers in my lineup.
0: Yeah. That is the Monday night football game tomorrow. Chargers and new Orleans, new Orleans was trying to get some people into the stadium too. uh, But that is the, the situation coming up. Um, Another part of week five, of course, the biggest stories of week five are going to be the victory laps that we can take. And Pete, honestly, I'm struggling, but in an industry that rewards self-congratulation, what are your proudest victory laps for this week?
1: So uh I had like in my, my two bigger lineups, I had three guys that I played in both of them that were my core and two of them went great. And that was Mike Davis and Deandre Hopkins. And my thoughts on those guys were Mike Davis is still underpriced relative to his role. He's literally Christian McCaffrey yeah. in this offense. They haven't changed a thing and he's running as well as it will be shedding defenders. He's catching passes. So this was probably the last week we were going to get my, uh, you know, him at a, a reasonable price. And then DeAndre Hopkins, his floor has been pretty insane. And we knew the upside was there if they ever threw it down the field a little bit more. And then we saw that in the fourth quarter with him catching a few deep passes, one where he got in the end zone. So those are the victory laps I will take. And I will save my, uh, my L for when we get up to one bad apple and, and take the L, because I definitely had some misses as well. Who were your uh, big victory laps this week?
0: So for me, I really feel like here's where, and I, again, I go through the ride-or-die picks. Willis then grades them against. If I if I do anything incorrectly, he'll, he'll change them afterwards. And uh, my for me, my my strategy for our ride-or-die picks has been to try to pinpoint guys in fantasy, who are going to get over 20 DraftKings points, because that's what we reward the most relative to being able to pick it. And this week, to me, all of my guys, again... Who, who had decent days. James Connor, decent day. Chase, Chase Claypool, Vulture is a touchdown for him in the goal line, though. Uh, Connor was getting some work lost to Benny Snell at the goal line, too, so not the best for him. DJ Moore, 19 fantasy points. Marquise Brown, 19 fantasy points. Drives me insane because I felt like I was knocking on the door of big days for all of my lineups at low ownership. James Connor really the one, though, where... He had under 5%. They had so many goal line series. And then it's just the Chase Claypool show where everybody, uh, I feel like me and the Steelers locker room could have a nice talk about this where you could be like, hey, I, I'm with you guys because I feel like it's unfair that Chase Claypool's get all this recognition. You guys are doing all the hard work. And Chase Claypool just swoops in and takes all the ladies Chris, and the, and the Chris, profits.
1: Chris, you do know this is the victory lap section, right? <laughs>
0: That's how bad this week was though, that my victory laps are still L's.
1: <laughs> like, I was going to say, I kept waiting for you to victory lap something. I was like, aren't our next two segments going to be about taking L's and you're taking one <laughs> in the victory lap. segment. Oh,
0: also uh, Falcons fire coach, Dan Quinn and Thomas Demetra off the GM. So that's a, that's a big one.
1: Yeah. The other breaking news I just saw on Twitter, uh, it looks like uh, Dalvin cook is leaving uh, the game after pulling up lame after a catch headed Ooh. to the locker room. So Brutal day, man. Brutal.
0: Probably enough for Dalvin to make it into the winning showdown lineup again. (laughs) That's that second half is going off now. But um, so we won't get too mad at him. But also the Sunday night game. Honestly, it's going on right now as as always recording starting at halftime. Uh, The game's 13-0 right now. I still think the Seattle team uh, not very far off of breaking this one open at any point. But um, yeah, like kind of the way that this I don't think anybody expects this one to be low scoring and the Vikings dominating everything.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you th- we've all been chanting, let Russ cook, we thought it would happen. And then they start to do weird stuff, you know, like in the first quarter, they punted from the inside the 40 yard line, yeah. like, what is going on? So hopefully Pete Carroll didn't just have a freaky Friday situation with 2019 Pete Carroll, and he's reverted back to everything we hated as fantasy players.
0: I'll never tolerate a bad word to oh bad word towards Pete Carroll. Of course the uh, the highlight of my time as a USC alum was Pete Carroll being the coach there and then and then tanking the program you know either by looking the other way or whatever. But let's focus on the good there and Reggie Bush. Glad he got his Heisman back this year. Um, but yeah, so so my victory laps are just me being like this is bullshit. This- <laughs> Basically, <laughs> my victory lap. It's me running around slower than everybody else and giving everybody the finger would be my victory lap for the week. But take the L. I'll also take an L in addition to that because I got to take one here. I thought the under and Raiders Chiefs was viable. And um, I just figured the Chiefs were going to, you know, maybe be slowed down a little by the Raiders here. They Raiders, not a high octane offense for the most part. And holy cow, like Derek Carr was slinging that ball around rugs, looking like a young Tyree Hill out there. And then they actually picked up the win in Kansas City. I don't, I mean, a bit of a surprise, maybe not a surprise relative to the 2020 season. But Pete, how do you feel about this game where the Raiders looked actually like a legit team?
1: Yeah, the thing about the Raiders in you know, with Derek Carr is he's not the guy that's going to go out and necessarily win you games on his own, but he's also not the quarterback that's going to go and lose you games. He's not going to do the Jimmy Garoppolo thing where he throws three back breaking picks. Like he is this solid game manager and they put weapons around him. They have a good running back. They have Darren Waller and now they have this electric rookie, Henry Ruggs, who can create, dare I say, splash plays down the field. So I'm kind of a believer in the Raiders. They just keep getting big win after big win in really tough spots. And I mean, I know from when I was drafting my best ball teams, like their schedule is really nice down the stretch too. So might be a little spoiler alert from our waiver wire segment here, but man, I'm kind of in on the Raiders
0: see like the thing is every week I don't know that I would trust him because I do think the default is still to take the check down routes to Darren Waller take the the lower risk throws because I think that's still how Derek Carr's brain is going to work and where you have these games against the Chiefs like they didn't run Jacobs as much as I would have thought Jacobs got there in the end because of the two touchdowns he got but he wasn't as involved in the first half as I would have thought where I th- I would think the impetus if you're a team who loves to run like the Raiders you give Jacobs a ball a lot early and often and then you just kind of try to bleed it out instead they went for full guns Slinger mode against the Chiefs. And then, and then once they had the lead and were sort of figuring it out, then they started to squeeze the air out of the ball a bit and Jacobs got his results. But I really don't know what to make of it. And Aguilar too, I feel like, you know, Ruggs is going to get all the hype from this game, but every week Aguilar seems to score a touchdown.
1: Well, that's a good point. You said about teams not playing optimally or being forced into playing optimally. I mean, we were just talking about the Seahawks, like in previous years, it's like how they wanted to play was suboptimal and they're running the ball and they have all these talented pieces in the passing game and when they were forced into making russ throw letting russ cook they crushed. and same with the raiders they their default gruden wants to run the ball 25 times with josh jacobs and when they get into these shootout spots like you can't afford to do that against the chiefs you got to put up points and then they're airing it out their pace is up and so, yeah, I guess that is the question is, will we see a, a change in philosophy or was this just a byproduct of this game?
0: Yeah, definitely some questions with the Raiders, but they are looking good and they continue to win games where on paper, I think definitely a surprise and certainly going to the Chiefs, uh, going into Kansas City and being able to pick up a win, a big surprise by them. But Pete, I have taken two straight L's and two straight segments. So your turn here. What else do you want to take for week five?
1: Yeah, I'm pulling up my ride or die picks. Definitely have some L's to take. I would, I guess the um, my biggest one would be I was high again on Terry McLaurin. You know, my stance has been he's quarterback proof, and man, this offense just imploded today. Granted, you know, Kyle Allen left with an injury. Alex Smith comes in on short notice, but I mean, I uh, I had Antonio Gibson, another guy I'm going to take L's on in a lot of my DFS lineups, and just watching them. Just get manhandled play after play by the Rams defensive line was super frustrating and a sobering reminder that as good and as talented as Terry McLaurin is, he still can't overcome just absolute disastrous play by the rest of the offense.
0: I have to say though I felt more good than bad about Alex Smith getting back out there and certainly you know Dak with his injury I feel like a bit of perspective that for as bad as Dak's injury was you know I think in the grand scheme of things this is part of why too again why I don't feel the worst being like ah oh, like we kind of have to laugh at it especially for me as a lifelong Cowboys fan who continues to see them find new ways to fall off the cliff like Wiley e. Coyote but I would say with them you know like that injury Compared to Alex Smith's injury a couple years ago, like that to me is one of the worst ones ever. Where uh, you can read the articles about it, search Alex Smith and his recovery. He almost died. Like he legitimately almost died from that. So to see him back on the football field, I don't know if he's going to have it as much. He actually was looking good before uh, that, that life changing, career changing injury for him. But I was nice to see him out there. Like I felt like it was kind of a Rudy thing just to have him out there and whether that means anything for the football team or not. Uh, But it does seem, I I would assume he's going to be starting now because Kyle Allen could have gone back in and they were just like, yeah, we'll let Alex Smith ride.
1: Yeah, this was kind of a, I mean, I guess they were at home, you know, the Rams defensive line has been solid, but the schedule does get um, better going forward. They basically get the Giants, the Cowboys, and then the Giants again, they get the Lions, the Bengals. So this schedule could ease up for them. And man, that would be the best story in football to see Alex Smith kind of have a string here of great games and unlock Some of these weapons, like in fantasy, we're excited about Antonio Gibson, we're excited about McLaurin, we're even excited about Logan Thomas. So to have competent quarterback play that could support these options uh, would be very fun
0: yeah Dwayne Haskins we talked about on Thursday as part of the uh the numbers don't lie part of the show where we give two uh real stats and one fake one and then Pete has to guess and uh Dwayne Haskins with a 3.8 QB rating on deep throws that's not going to be viable I feel bad for him though like I, I think he's gotten kind of railroaded and then today he wasn't even at the game because he had a stomach virus and because of precautions though honestly it could be one of those things too where he like might be a brat and they just sent him home and they're just like oh he's got a stomach bug, and that's the cover-up thing, but uh, definitely some amiss uh, times in Washington, a big shocker, of course, to see Washington having trouble. Uh, but let's get on to the next segment here uh, that normally we call it Tell Me Who Hurts You. This week we're going to call it One Bad Apple because uh, Pete, of course, a man of many passions, a renaissance man, some could say, but more importantly, I'm going to assume this might have been a wifely activity, Pete, that uh, that let you go to apple picking, unless you, you can correct me, I don't want to be misogynistic in any way. Um, apple picking, though, historically not normally spurred on by the gentleman.
1: You know what it was, uh, this was a give and take Saturday. Uh, you know, my wife wanted to go apple picking, but then we also went golfing after. So it was, you know, it was, it was kind of like, like par five
0: golf for like,
1: yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's still, it's still, uh, it's still nice out here. I mean, it was just nine holes. So it wasn't like a hole, you know, But you know how when, um, you know, celebrities, they'll do like an indie art house film and then they'll do uh, a big blockbuster, you know, this is the thing. It's like, I'll do the apple picking and then we get to go golfing. It was, it was a trade off. Uh, So yes, I went apple picking and um, it was fine. I also (laughs) bought some hard cider and that, that was a win. Once you involve alcohol into the activity, uh, it really transcends whatever awful thing you're having to do.
0: So people on the screen now can see Pete's photo of him looking like a thug with his uh,
1: a I'm, thug,
0: <laughs> like not in like a way that's like I'm not not as a white announcer chastising. You want an me athlete. to shut up
1: and dribble, Specs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you look like a gangsta, like a gangsta with an A, where your lean is tough. And Pete's tweet handpicked this little guy with the thesis of being that you could fit a lot of bigger <laughs> apples into your bag. And I feel like this is what a peach strike really tying it back as a metaphor to fantasy sports, to the Adam Troutmans of the world. Um, But but Pete, what apple did you get? Did you take the little baby Charlie Brown apple that's on the screen right now?
1: Yeah, you know, we had lots of, there was, I had lots of things rifling through in my head. There were uh, Cortland apples. I was thinking maybe a little Cortland Sutton reference. There were the McCowns, Thinking a little Josh McCown stuff. Um, I don't even remember what this one was. If it was a Fuji, if it was a Macintosh, there was a lot going on out there, lots of signs. And uh, yeah. And then I was pretty upset about this other guy that was using an optimizer device to help him reach the far flung reaches of this tree, which I thought that was unfair. I was kind of only grabbing things that were within my reach. So, you know, different strokes for different folks.
0: Unfortunately, I didn't prepare that part of the, the PowerPoint presentation <laughs> of your time apple picking. I feel like this is, this is one of our strengths as a show, though, is that we can have a segment that's you talking about apple picking and we can just go
1: through and do maybe a good 10 minutes. You want to do? Yeah. What if I had like 45 photos of just like my different? Oh, and now to the Granny Smiths. Oh, yeah. This was a really lovely variety.
0: But no, that's nice. I feel like that's like a classic East Coast fall thing to do. But I do think that's one of the things that like, like Bill Simmons, would joke about it where it's like, oh, you know, the bad football games on Sunday. So now you could spend time with your family. Am I right, fellas? And (laughs) and that's what it is.
1: it It was funny. There was a guy from the Action Network that had done a tweet yesterday that was like sarcastically like, hey, let's go out and go apple picking. Not let's bet on football. Here are my picks. And people started tagging me. <laughs> In that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that that you're attacking for going apple picking instead of sitting home and watching college football, which I didn't even know was happening.
0: <laughs> I'm not with college football this year. I feel like it poorly handled the Pac-12 not involved my alma mater, as we mentioned a couple times on here. And uh, but I think that's funny. I, I I don't agree with the idea. Like I think it's fun to to rib you about it, but also like the idea of tying masculinity to just pure sports consumption. I feel like is maybe not the right move. And if you want to enjoy some delicious Granny Smiths, I mean. Uh, you know, more power to you.
1: I feel like what the the thing you can totally make fun of, and I did actually see another tweet. I think it was like the Barstool had a, a tweet from their account where it was just all these guys taking Instagram photos of their girlfriends and their <laughs> friends, where it's like you just go to apple picking to get the Instagram photo, and then you're just checking that off the box. So I, I it's it's definitely dare I say ripe for the picking and uh, making fun of. But uh, I, had a, I had a nice time out there. You know what? I, I really did.
0: I, I like that you're doing multiple events. I feel like for me, I'd be like, apple picking is enough for one day. I wouldn't <laughs> think like, let me go do golf too. I'd be like, let me get some like alcoholic apple cider at the end of it would be, <laughs> I would go with it. So I respect that. I feel like having, it, you're an outdoorsman. That's the thing people don't know about you.
1: Well, I did get alcohol. There was plenty of alcohol involved. But also, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very busy this year, my two kind of days off. And I, I told you on Tuesday, I took a day off and Saturdays, Tuesdays and Saturdays are my days where I get to unplug. So you know, why not? You know, let's go apple picking on a Saturday.
0: Did you get apple cider donuts? I did. Yes. Those are delightful too. Those are.
1: They are good. That that's the funny thing too, is it's the ancillary things that apple picking are fun. They have like the hard cider, the apple cider donuts. They have some guy in a banjo or whatever, but like the actual act of picking, it's like, whatever, just give me the alcohol and the donuts. And and now we're cooking.
0: I got to say the guy in the banjo doesn't usually register to me. I I can't say I've actually gone apple picking. I've had the products of apple picking, but is the banjo guy a big part of the events for you?
1: (laughs) So I think I'm making up that he had a banjo. There was a guy playing music with a guitar, but in okay. my head I thought this story would be better if it was a banjo.
0: Just <laughs> some guy with a jug and a banjo just having a day well, doing both parts.
1: I'll say this to you because you're you're in call in uh, California and being out there like I've been to Napa and wine country and that kind of vibe or you guys have bigger like open area breweries and stuff like in Massachusetts we don't have as much of that so getting out a little bit and having that open space and stuff I felt like I was kind of in California for a second.
0: That's nice. I mean, that's what it's all about—getting outside, having a good time. Whether you're playing with the old pigskin or you're just picking a, down a, a few of diminutive apples for the bit that <laughs> on Twitter to make. But the Adam Trout. Wait, Troutman we about haven't
1: them. even done the segment, have we? The one bad
0: oh, apple. yeah. So yeah. So Pete, who's your bad? Apple.
1: My bad apples, Antonio Gibson. I played him in all my lineups and he was fine at $5,000, but it was just so disappointing. And he started the game good. He had three catches on that first drive. And I was like, all right, we're cooking. And then of course the entire second half was all JD McKissick and he didn't have any shots at goal line touchdowns or anything. So that was very frustrating, especially when so many good running back plays were on the slate. Yeah, I think
0: for me, I mean, honestly, all the guys that I talked about in the other segment who were okay, but not good enough. I feel like that's the worst thing in fantasy when you have guys who are like in the hunt, but not great because you're just not spiking that upside. So I could really pinpoint any of the ones who were in my ride or die picks, but also I'm going to go real fast to George Kittle. I just feel like he was somebody who I thought I had some high hopes for with him running a lot more routes so far this year. And then the Niners, I I think just kind of a dumpster fire situation with Garoppolo looking so bad, getting pulled pretty early in that game, right? Right, right before halftime or at halftime. And um, they claimed to us for his protection. Uh, I think it's also that he just looks legitimately not great. A uh, seven for 17 in that first half with two picks. I went to CJ Beathard. Beathard did not dig him out of the hole versus the Dolphins. And um, yeah, George Kittle to me a disappointment, but I think Pete, we have to blame Jimmy Garoppolo for this one. And I guess, how do you feel about his prospects? Because there's always been concerns about him. He's been paid, so that's great for him. But he, is he really the dude? Because I, I kind of feel like they might not feel like he's the dude.
1: I know it's tough because I even remember watching them in their divisional round game last year against the Vikings. And he would just, he had this brutal pick against them where I remember even the announcers at the time were like a franchise quarterback cannot make this throw in the playoffs. Just so just completely not going through your progressions, missing the read and throwing the pick. And I feel like that sums up Jimmy Garoppolo and that he's going to make that mistake once a game, or in this case, three or four times in a game, but he's still going to be the best of your options. I don't think CJ Beathard is the answer. I think they just feel the need to pull the plug and to just make a point of like, this isn't okay. You need a hard reset. I do agree with you long-term, like he's probably not the answer, but it's really hard to even find someone more serviceable than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think he's going to be back, but it is very disappointing if you're a 49ers fan.
0: I mean, just the fact that they gave up so much to Miami, I think, is problematic, too, after that defense was the staple, but uh, but Garoppolo, you know, you want to have a QB who can throw you into games, and I feel like Garoppolo's only had good games against the Cardinals. I think everything else for him has been kind of hit or miss, and, uh, you know, you hope for these receivers. I feel like guys like Brandon Ayuk, I think Brandon Ayuk might be the number one guy there over Debo Samuel, based on what we're seeing so far. Debo not f- running the full complement of routes, but I feel like Ayuk looks pretty, you know, competent out there and in getting into space and doing a good job, whereas, you you know, I don't know. I I, I don't know if, how you can rate all these guys now because Garoppolo has been so bad that I feel like he's oppressing the value of everything.
1: Yeah, he's not like if if Dak, you know, pre-injury was with these guys, he could support Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle, you know, but but Garoppolo's not good enough to do that. So I think we're gonna see the kind of revolving carousel where it's like, oh, Kittle goes off. Oh, Ayuk goes off. Oh, Debo. But for all of them to have a weekly floor and consistency, I think is going to be hard to come by. This is one
0: of those games too that actually would have had a good numbers don't lie stat. Uh, Raheem Mostert. 11 for 90 in this game. So you would think, I feel like if he's getting that kind of results, you know, no touchdowns, that's certainly not going to help out too much. But 11 for 98.2 yards per carry, you would think like the Niners rolled in this game. And instead, they got completely whomped by the Dolphins. and, And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's not giving up this job to Tua, no matter what happens, it seems.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps rolling in the Dolphins, man. They are, they're a plucky team. They did this last year. They would go on the road. They would win a few of these games. To me, it speaks to how well their coach, like Brian, Brian Flores has been really solid in maximizing their talent. And they're still, like you said, they're in eval mode and they're, they're figuring things out. Miles Gaskin. I love that they've committed to him. It was super bizarre. Jordan Howard was inactive today. I still don't really know. The story with that. But yeah, they, and you see Devonte Parker continue to make big plays week in and week out. Uh, I'm obviously biased as a Patrick Laird fanboy, but rooting for the Dolphins is super fun. And I think obviously they're not going to be a contender this year, but they're laying the groundwork to be a really good team here in the next few years.
0: I mean, yeah, you compare them to the Jets and what Adam Gates has done. And I, if I were a Dolphins fan, I'd feel a lot better about the, the future prospects of my team than I would if I were a Jets fan and what's going on there. Um, These guys don't quit, and I think that's something to keep in mind for Miami. uh, It was something that you probably would have made more money on last year, just banking on Ryan Fitzpatrick and his weapons there. Um, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, who had the big day today. Uh, Mike Kosicki, who's always in the hunt. But uh, the Dolphins, just keep that in mind for games moving forward. They're they're a plucky team that when they're down, when they're up, either way, they're going to probably have some decent results through the air and that was the case against the Niners Sema you would think would shut them down uh, next up here and before we do this next segment of course a, a perennial favorite the stat shaming make sure you guys if you're watched on YouTube hit that like button and subscribe as well we have new content coming out after Sunday night football after Thursday night football every week so make sure you are watching all the episodes of Splash Play as they come out and of course we're on Apple Podcasts too so give us five stars and a review on there and subscribe if you want it Spotify too they're, they're on there too but I, I, no, I'm not going to promote Spotify I feel like they're not until they pay us one day they're going to pay us $100 million People then we can promote spotify
1: yeah we want that joe rogan money until then uh we will never utter your name again
0: yeah, all of the all the the people can protest us for being such a scandalous fantasy football podcast like they are uh, Joe Rogan right now but stat shaming of course an important segment we do every Sunday where we ask did these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches and the guy we have to stat shame up top first and foremost chase Claypool so we mentioned it earlier seven catches 110 yards and three touchdowns receiving on 11 targets as well as three rushes for six yards and one touchdown but getting that many touches is a lot for a guy like Claypool a bit of a gadget guy so immediately for me I'm gonna say Chase Claypool not looking good in these photos these snapshots of his season we're seeing right now Uh, I'm happy for our guys like Jay Duke who profited off of Chase Claypool and all of his scandalous photos that are out there but for me Pete I'm gonna say to me he deserves a big time stat shaming and if you play him next week it won't be surprising if he completely lets you down
1: here's what I'll say about Chase Claypool Chase Claypool is this attractive individual that still posed in their photo you know how when the girls will do like the side thing to really get like their angle. The MySpace photo, don't... like the top yeah. down. <laughs> like they don't want to do the straight on because they're trying whatever the angles they think look better, but they're still like a very attractive individual, but they're trying to maximize it. This is what Chase Claypool did. He's really trying to emphasize his good features here. Is that who he actually is? No, but when he actually squares up to the camera, he's still a great looking football player who's going to have a great career, a lot of great stat lines, but it's like Chase... We're not buying this. We know you can't do this every week.
0: just love yourself, Chase. Be who you are every week. Stop trying to live up to the Instagram models out there putting up 100-yard receiving days. And be happy with your 30 yards and a touchdown uh, on a gadget play. Be Curtis Samuel, I think, instead of being this hyper-sexualized version of Chase Claypool trying to lure us all in with his siren song. A next guy up here that we need to talk about, and maybe stat shame a little, Brandon Cooks, a guy that I was very leery about even promoting on this show on Thursday with with Pete and Ian Harditz of PFF, of course. Uh, Eight catches for 161 yards for Brandon Cooks, one touchdown, 12 targets for him, and this is one of those things, you change the coach, you change the offensive coordinator, it can happen. Brandon Cooks coming off of a zero day last week, he did need a bounce back. I wasn't confident enough he was going to get there, but... He looked like old Brandon Cooks to me today, Pete. And I I think that I'm going to say he looks pretty sexy to me. I like what he's doing here. I feel like maybe right now he's a little bit of a plus size model (laughs) in the way that he's approaching things. But I think whether he's a plus size or or whether he's doing regular runway shows, I don't care. I kind of want a little bit of Brandon Cooks.
1: The more we do this segment, the more I'm fleshing out extended metaphors in my head, (laughs) the more I realize we're entering dicey territory. But man, I'm having fun with it. Brandon Cooks. Last week he didn't put on makeup. He just went to the grocery store, he rolled out of bed, he just wanted so don't judge Brandon Cooks by how he looked without putting on makeup. This week he dolled himself up. He went out there and had a great game. He's still Brandon Cooks. He just put a little bit more effort in this week. It's still the same Brandon Cooks we know and love.
0: It's true. I, I think that Brandon Cooks is, is looking pretty tasty. Look at like a snack that Brandon Cooks is, but uh, you know, maybe this, this is, is going to get us into
1: trouble. No, I know it. Is.
0: We're going to get canceled from what are we even going to get canceled from? We're going to cancel from our own YouTube channel. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> Either way, though, Brandon Cooks, I would say, an intriguing guy, not eligible for the waiver segment, unfortunately, but I'm intrigued by Brandon Cooks and uh, I don't know, a new coach. Sometimes it's all you need a, a fresh coat of paint on some of these guys. And another guy who. I think you could make the case to stat shaming. Pete, I'm going to see where you land with him. Travis Fulgham for the Eagles. 10 catches, 152 yards, and a touchdown in 13 targets. We talked about him last Sunday night because he wasn't in the player pool for DraftKings showdown, and I was like, this is a dude who's running routes. I mean, I don't know that I expected this, people. Where do you land with possibly stat shaming Travis Fulgham?
1: I'm going to stat shame him. I I think this is an unrealistic stat line for him. You know, there are some things working in his favor in that, like, you know, they have a ton of injuries and Zach Ertz looks, I mean, we're talking about dusty players in the vein of T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green. I mean, we got to include Zach Ertz there now. I mean, he's getting volume in horribly inefficient with that volume that said again they have so many guys that have been out Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson missed another game their rookie first round wide receiver Jalen Rager is out I mean they have nothing behind him so for Fulgham to come out to me it's more an indictment of some of these other guys in the offense like Greg Ward or JJ Ortega Whiteside Um, it kind of just seemed like a next man up thing so I, I can't in good conscience go back to the Fulgham well but I mean, he did look sexy out there today. I can't lie.
0: No, he looked... He, when he was working it out there, it's hard not to want a piece of Travis Fulgham. And I, I think for me, I'm going to go a little bit less stat-shamey for him, but I think we've seen this before. We've seen Greg Ward be the apple of Carson Wentz's eye for one week last year where everybody else is hurt. I think this happens with some of the Eagles where they just they continue to have injuries in their, in their wide receiver core and their tight end core. And um, as Pete mentioned, Zach Ertz, I, there was one play where... Like, Carson went through the ball a little low, and Zach Ertz didn't even try. Like, he just, like, barely leaned over like like a dad would with an injured back. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing out there? I don't fully understand what's going on with this Eagles offense, but I do think, you know, if Alshon Jeffrey's going to be out again, I don't... He... I, I'm going to question his illness this week. I just feel like he doesn't want to play. I don't know what it is with Alshon Jeffrey, but it, it seems like maybe his time with the Eagles might be done this year. But, you know, if he and Jackson are back in next weekend, yeah, they'll play Travis Fulgham. But I think if those guys are out, like there's only been one dude who's gotten open for the Eagles so far, and it's been Travis Fulgham.
1: Yeah, it's... Um... It, you just talking just made me think of how unfortunate it is that we're not getting Dallas Goddard healthy right now, yeah. because he seems like the guy that could have really run away with this, uh, the, just the high volume target role in this offense. So yeah, they're, they're in desperate need of weapons. They need Goddard back. They need Rager. They need Deshaun Jackson. So yeah, I'm, I'm worried about, about Ertz for sure.
0: Yeah, and uh, and it all goes with Carson Wentz too. We talked about on Thursday um, a guy who's just not looking good in clean pockets, not looking good, and um, and when he's on the run, he's not looking good. Really, every possible facet of the game um, it has not looked good for Carson Wentz so far, and maybe that'll be the case. And. Uh, maybe it might not be Zach Ertz's fault but we'll find out Uh, especially if we see more Jalen Hurts plays it seems like the Eagles are (laughs) working up more of those every week perhaps is a a sign of things to come Uh, but here's the part of the show where we need your support more than ever hit the like button and subscribe here's what a lot of people on the YouTube channel especially are coming for because they see the waiver wire they're searching videos they're diligently researching their waiver wires and that's why we do the waiver wire snake draft where we do four rounds and pick the guys available on waivers before any show out there gives their waiver wire picks so we have the brave picks and i'll say the most correct you know give or take <laughs> give or take a, give or take four picks a week either way though it's all players under 40 percent owned on espn.com and pete i've let you go first every week so far so i'm gonna cash in here on that kindness i'm gonna take andy dalton first i just feel like that's wow. the way it's gotta go yeah
1: i thought you were gonna go somewhere because i I'm, I'm completely on board with you you going first you deserve it but man i did not know you're gonna take a quarterback here
0: so here's the thing with andy dalton and i think it's it's part of the problem of the quarterback position where using that waiver wire position on a quarterback first. If you are, if you're a person who has a high up waiver wire order, or if you are spending that FAAB, uh, that free agent auction bros, or no, we can't say auction anymore. Does free agent, all bros budget that you have uh, for FAAB like, you know, quarterback, not always the move because you probably have a decent guy already, but I do think this Cowboys offense is going to be as good. It's not going to have the upside. I don't expect Andy Dalton to have the 40 fantasy point weeks, but he's going to be in that Teddy Bridgewater category of guys who can get you 20 to 25 on a given week, maybe spike that upside a little higher in matchups that do shoot out, which the Cowboys should still have because the defense sucks. So um, Andy Dalton to me, I think, is would be the clear waiver wire pick to have some upside, even if you have a decent quarterback right now.
1: Yeah, Uh I like it. Those, those weapons are going to make him uh, definitely relevant in fantasy. I think, you know, he, he's not going to have the same juice that Dak does probably won't give you as much on the ground as well but these weapons are going to buoy him and defenses still have to respect Zeke Elliott too. So it's not like one of those things where you can just drop everybody back into coverage and make Andy Dalton beat you. So I definitely am probably going to end up adding him on a few teams, especially teams where I have Dak Prescott. So, uh, yeah, I like that. I I'll take Chase Claypool. Um, you know, you know, you've taken gonna... him
0: before in this, right? Have I mean, I- it doesn't matter because we we both took Dalton Schultz at one point, but I just need to Wait, point out, yeah, I, I think you've taken Chase take
1: Claypool. Wow, man, I was so sharp back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, you actually, you were very ahead of the Chase Claypool train. You took him, I think, that yeah. week that he had the one game, and I think you took him first, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: Okay, you know what, man, I am just Let's But tell the people again. Impressed. I mean, you know, yeah. submit. Well, take a victory lap on it. <laughs> yeah, I will say, you know, if he was inching up into higher ownership territory, maybe I'd be more, but he said, I'm looking at it right now, he's only rostered an 8.9% of ESPN fantasy leagues right now. And I get it, like he's buried, you know, on paper. But then we see what happens when he gets the sliver of opportunity. And what we want from wide receivers is for them to be hyper-efficient when they do get those touches. To me, he's now very similar to like a Mikkel Hardman, which is a way to kind of like reset expectations of if things ever broke right and he got more volume, we know he has the skill set to really capitalize. And now we need to be conscious of, okay, is James Washington out? Is Deontay Johnson out? Is Ebron out? Can opportunity open up? If not, he's just a stash. But we've now had confirmation that he's like a league winning type upside play if something were to happen to these guys in front of him. So I do think it's important to maintain realistic expectations. But to me, Claypool is a guy I'd love to have on any of my benches now.
0: Okay, no, that's a valid pick and uh, certainly one that a lot of people will be chasing this week. And as Pete mentioned, not a lot of ownership on Chase Claypool so far, though. Hard to bank on every week. Still more of a GPP play of a player. But Pete, you got the turn as well. So go ahead, take another guy.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take a guy that I don't think I would have recommended him up until this point, but that's Gerald Everett on the Rams. And it was kind of a weird game for him, but he looked really good. Four targets for 90 yards. He was operating ahead of Tyler Higby this game. And the reason I don't think it's necessarily a fluke is because we saw this last year. For the first eight weeks of the season, he was operating ahead of Higby. Higby, of course, finished strong. When Gerald Everett had the injury, he was a little banged up, and it really allowed Higby to run away with it. But I've always felt that Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby were pretty similar as just talents. And it was all about who got the majority of the targets and the reps. And then there's always the conversation. Are they running 12 personnel or 11 personnel with the two tight ends? And, uh, I think Gerald Everett is, he's very intriguing to me and tight end is so gross that I'm wanting to take shots on these guys that have huge upside.
0: I think that's, that's, that's a pretty fair point to make there. And for me, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit different here. This guy I'm actually surprised would be available under the threshold on ESPN. He's only 38% rostered right now, but he had the big week this week. Preston Williams, I think we're seeing the upside with him coming off the ACL injury. Uh, you know, Certainly that's a tough injury to come back from, and I think the fact that he got back as fast as he did and was already in the mix, was already running a ton of routes is good. But I think the weeks where you see Devontae Parker not go off, he just has a tough matchup on that side. You're going to see Preston Williams have a lot of results here. People love Mike Kosicki. Preston Williams is the dude who actually gets deep targets, so I think to me, um, he's a pretty obvious guy who should be owned I think this week he probably won't be available for waiver wires anymore
1: yeah I like that call and I am uh I'm going to do
0: wait you don't get anybody it's I got the turn
1: oh <laughs> I was I'm letting so you infa- speak
0: about Preston if you wanted if you wanted but to bless I, I, I Preston will say State. about
1: Preston he very slow start to the season no one ever really questioned his talent he was really good last year it was kind of hard to figure out what was going on Isaiah Ford was uh getting more targets than him so to see this game is encouraging because it kind of Uh, reflects what we thought about him I think he still will be a little erratic with Gasecki and Parker and and Ford mixing in but he's a talented dude and this offense just keeps getting better it seems so I like the uh, the Preston Williams team or pick
0: and again, because I think wide receiver is an important spot, and I believe in this guy, and I also think there's one more guy that I like, but I'm going to take it to to give a little thumb in the eye of Pete at the end here. Um, Travis Fulgham is who I'm going to take now. Just because we talked about him, I, I still think with Alshon Jeffries back out there, when Deshaun Jackson's back out there, when any of these guys get back out there, it's not going to be great for Fulgham. It's not going to be this upside that you're seeing this week. Um, a little bit Jamison Crowder-esque in terms of just the, the one week, I think, aberration that you're seeing. Though Crowder, I guess, week after week has proven it a little bit more, but I think Fulgham's just somebody you can fill in right now for Philadelphia. They need somebody who can get open to me. When I watch these games, I keep putting on my game watching tape, hard hat, of course, Um, Fulgham is a dude who just keeps getting open, keeps looking good over and over again. And I think that he deserves more reps. I think we keep seeing guys like John Hightower out there, not doing a lot. Greg Ward, a guy who probably was promoted over his depth because he had a couple good games last year. So Fulgham could be this dude. We just need somebody who Carson Wentz trusts. And I think Fulgham might be it. I think he's worth a flyer if you can get him in a a third round of an esoteric waiver wire snake draft.
1: Yeah. And and I don't mind it. We, we talk about, uh, you know, stat shaming these guys, but the whole thing is on the waiver wire. You have to be early rather than late. You know, these guys aren't going to have a hundred percent hit rate, but you want to just churn these guys on the off chance. One of them hits. Like I learned this lesson a couple of years ago. I remember the biggest one was I didn't believe Odell Beckham when he burst out into the scene as a rookie. I'm like, he was injured. He wasn't that great as a prospect or whatever, like just let someone else get him. And then I'm like, Holy shit, this guy's a league winner. I corrected it last year by jumping on Terry McLaurin after week one. I was like, I wasn't on this guy as a prospect, but man, he produced in week one. Let's just take a shot. And then he sticks. So again, we never know when one of these guys are going to stick. So I, I like taking it. And again, you just toss him back if, if he fades away. Yep. Um, enough, in that kind of same vein, I will go all the way back to Thursday night. And I know he was stepping into opportunity without Chris Godwin, but I'm going to take Tyler Johnson on the Bucs. You know, the fact that Scotty Miller also had kind of a rough game and it seemed like Brady really had an eye for Tyler Johnson, that was intriguing to me. And Godwin and Evans aren't necessarily the picture of health themselves. So there could be more opportunity here than we might think. And he might've just earned more playing time based on his Thursday night game where he had six targets and, uh, and 61 yards receiving. So Tyler Johnson's a guy I want another peek at here.
0: Yeah, one of the few guys who actually popped in that game, and we talked about it on Thursday, but yeah, Tyler Johnson looked good. And um, with the many injuries that continue to occur, Mike Evans also always a threat to go back out. Uh, Certainly could be some room for Tyler Johnson to keep going. Uh, Pete, because I got the first pick, you get the final pick here. I get Not the final pick, but the first pick of the fourth round, our final round of the waiver wire snake draft.
1: So I did have Fulgham on mine. He might've been my last pick if you didn't take him. The other guy I have on my list, and you took a quarterback to open it up. So I will bookend us with a quarterback. Derek Carr is still relatively unowned in these leagues. And again, I'm coming around on Derek Carr. He's only 15.9%. He had a 26 point score today for standard scoring leagues. And like I mentioned earlier, he has a really nice schedule down the stretch here. I mean, in the playoffs, they have three home games. They're home versus Indiana, home versus the Chargers, home versus the Dolphins. So those kind of schedules are really nice, and we're about to enter the bye weeks. You're losing quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, and I'm kind of excited uh, about the Raiders. I want to see more about how they trend kind of with their offensive philosophy. So if you need a quarterback, if you don't get Dalton, uh, I think Derek Carr is someone to take a peek at.
0: Yeah. Derek Carr, only 16% owned in ESPN leagues right now. Should take a jump up though. Going to have some more down weeks because there are going to be weeks that Josh Jacobs carries that water. But, um, if, if will if Aguilar and Ruggs continue to get open as they do, um, they, gets uh, Kansas City defense look much sharper this year so far. I think that could be a spot that this offense could be valuable. Um, for me, uh, this is a tough one. I, I, I'm gonna take one, and this is—I'm gonna say this is a spite pick. You know, the the classic Seinfeld bit of Jerry trying to return trying to return his blazer rather after he bought it, didn't like the salesman wanted to bring it back. I'm going to despite Pete here and take Colin Johnson, a guy that we talked about a few oh. weeks ago as being somebody who could be a thorn in LaVisca Chenault's side and LaVisca's still eligible for the waiver wires. Uh, according to the segment, he's only 31% owned. He should probably be owned at this point. I think you're starting to see the, the things ebb and flow a bit more towards his way. Uh, he was the best target for Jacksonville. The thing that Colin Johnson has, he's just a big dude and they want to throw to him. He had three catches today. He had the touchdown as well. Like They want a big bodied guy and for whatever DJ J. Chark has a little more angular LaVisca kind of smaller, but able to do a little bit more. Colin Johnson's like a big red zone threat type of guy. He'll have eye for competing for those catches. But if you're going to take a flyer on a dude who it seems like they want to work in Colin Johnson out of Texas, looking good as rookie year so far. Um, I think Johnson's just a big dude. I like big guys. Like I want somebody who's going to go up and save Gardner Minshew.
1: I'm just mad at myself that for the bid equity, I just didn't say LaVisca Chanel every single week <laughs> until he was over 40%. How did I miss on that?
0: That's you know that's the thing that you you try to actually give good advice in addition to doing your bits and unfortunately this is one that the bit was available every week because uh, you really you should have kept doing it until he got to forty percent.
1: Right. the The thing is, is I do want it to be because some of these forty percent numbers can be a little skewed because some people are in eight and ten person leagues, which are going to affect these these numbers. So I try to go in my twelve person home league and see who's actually available. And uh, I I think all the guys that we gave out tonight are probably available uh, in the majority of, of leagues. So people can't go to us and say, hey, Colin Johnson isn't available in my league. I would say bullshit. Yes,
0: he is. Yeah, they're like Colin Johnson. That's always the thing that pisses me off about Red Zone. They're like, oh, hope you had Colin Johnson in your lineup. It's like maybe I did. Don't fucking talk shit to me, Scott Hansen. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need this right you now. You don't know me, Scott. <laughs> you don't know me. Who is he? Oh, Andrew Siciliano is the one. Uh, I'm sure a lovely human being. I'm sure they both are. Scott Hansen seems nice in the podcast interviews. I hate the Siciliano stream so much. I hate everything that he does. Like, he's like the the mom. We have Scott Hansen at home, and then it's Andrew Siciliano there. Like, that's basically what he is. I just, I hate his red zone telecasts, and I, I'm upset whenever I have to watch one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm probably 99% of the red zones I've consumed have been Scott Hansen, but the couple times, because Scott Hansen is just, he has he's so high on life. He's just such a football guy. In some people it feels cheesy or phony or, or forced. I literally think Scott Hansen just loves football that much. Where Siliano kind of has this like weatherman, like cheesy pun type like affect that is uh, it rubs me a little, a little bit the wrong way as well?
0: There's like a smarminess to it that he does yeah. I don't like, you know, and I, it's tough to like Nickel and Dime. These guys kind of like, you know, an election type thing where you're like, oh, I don't like the way he parts his hair. Or like, I'm not gonna. But that's basically what it is. Where it's just like, I just like Scott Hansen. I feel like, oh, like I, I like what you're doing, Scott. I love your enthusiasm. Whereas Siciliano, I feel like he's judging me for like, <laughs> for being a part of this. For wanting like, Colin
1: Johnson on your face.
0: <laughs> exactly. He's judging me for Colin Johnson. He's like somebody. He's like a timer on Pornhub where he's just. <laughs> you're like what you're like all right let's wrap it up here we've had enough of red zone for the week anyway that's my take on Andrew Siciliano but um he's not my ride or die play for the week we got games moving all over the place and it's not worth even addressing just check your NFL schedules moving forward because things are getting weird in the next few weeks but we have a Monday night game we have a Tuesday night game uh the Monday night game is the Chargers and the Saints Chargers getting 22 implied points uh the Saints getting 29 implied points still a seven point favorite as last that I pulled this a couple hours ago so Michael Thomas is uh Situation not affecting things too much, it seems. A uh, 50 point over under. Pete in this game, what would be your ride or die play? Oh, actually, I didn't do the, the catch-up on what we did. Well, whatever. Do your play first and then we'll, we'll do the catch up. No,
1: no, no. Do the do the catch-up. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's I think we just blew by it. That was I swear to god, that wasn't deliberate, but it like it could have been. It could have been <laughs> subconscious. Um,
1: so I'm looking, you know, I'm I'm starting to think about this from uh, a showdown perspective, and I'm kind of intrigued with this wide receiver on the Chargers, Jalen Guyton, you know, he's 4,200 on DraftKings and, you know, he's not been getting a ton of targets. He only had the one reception for 72 yards last week that ended up leading to the touchdown, but he also had a touchdown against the Chiefs early on too. So I think he's a guy that they view as a, as a playmaker. And I will go ahead and say Jalen Guyton ends up in the winning showdown lineup on uh, Monday night football.
0: Did you see his price for the showdown?
1: 4,200.
0: Yeah, that's like a beefy price for Jalen Guyton. Like, I, I get it, but that's that's, no, that's it, a lot for Jalen Guyton.
1: The thing that is actually legitimately tricky about it, and I guess we should put the asterisks next to it, is Mike Williams did end up practicing limited, and he's been kind of running those routes that Mike Williams would down. So you would want him to be much cheaper if Mike Williams plays. If Mike Williams doesn't play, I, I think it's fine.
0: The thing is, if Mike Williams is in, it's gonna make Guyton a person that nobody's gonna play, and that's yeah. and it's so stupid. But that's how Showdown works. So I, I agree. Like I think having some Guyton exposure uh, does seem like a worthwhile venture. Um, I'm gonna say for me that this is uh, what, what's the, what's the Kamara bet that I can get here from from the Pete Ride or Die uh, bookmaker because I, I don't know what the play is. I don't know that I'm confident enough to say he's captain, but I feel like. He's gonna have some kind of <laughs> so, <laughs> good
1: day. So I, I mean, he. So right, like I'm looking at Derek Carty's projections over at Roto Grinders. He hasn't projected for twenty five point four seven points.
0: Oh, so so I'd have to go thirty to make that. Oh, that's, that's
1: yeah, big. I, I would allow you to do thirty because that's such a big number, but.
0: That basically makes him the captain. I guess I'll just I'll shoot for the moon here because Pete is in the lead for the week, and I'll take Alvin Kamara as the showdown winning captain. I don't I honestly I don't love that play. I'm sure I'll have enough of it though when I run uh, when I run the old Monte Carlo sims. I'm sure that's going to be the case. And um, Spitz, we we did talk about it. I have to give Pete his moment in the sun here. This is like another a protracted victory lap segment where Pete can have his moment. Uh, But for the week, Pete gets nine points, uh, even though he did not go 500 in the actual picks number, but his points were so sharp that he beat both me and Ian Harditz based upon uh, the numbers so far. Of course, not pending the Sunday night football game, uh, but the things you got right you got the uh, you got some spreads right. You got the Mike Davis over twenty five DK points right. That's actually one that was some helpful practical advice for people out there. Miles Gaskin over twenty DK points. Um, despite him being your friend Patrick Laird's arch rival, uh, you still backed him. Uh, spit in the face of Patrick Laird right in the show. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I'm not letting you spinning this like this.
0: He, he despises Miles Gaskin based upon uh, what Pete has said off the record about all their their. No, they get they
1: get tacos together and they just say. I want one of us to get over 20 DK points. I don't care which one <laughs> of us it is.
0: Miles well, Gaskin looked pretty good, shockingly, against the Niners. So that was one other big uh, three-pointer for Pete. Uh, some other spread bets that he got right, and for me, it was all the spread bets that I got right. I really, I'm, I'm pretty, still pretty chafed about this one. There was so. Wait, I had did you only, get
1: God. Did you get DJ Moore? How many did he? No, have? he had f-
0: like 19.6, and Marquise oh. Brown at like 19.5. That's why I'm like very tilted this week.
1: You know what happens, Spags? It happens. <laughs> oh, I oh I, I hate
0: wise, successful Pete. That's one of my.
1: Maybe next, maybe next time you should be more realistic and just do <laughs> over fifteen points for a one pointer. I don't
0: know. Oh, that's one of my least favorite characters. You do, <laughs> Is the, it's, uh, Like oh like I've been there before, Pete. That's basically. Let me just
1: pat you on the head. It was a good job. It was a good
0: effort. See, if you if you reach to your right side, it'll look like we're actually oh. like padding. Yeah, like like there we go. Good job. Oh, thank that was thank cute. you, Pete. Good that,
1: job. <laughs> We're we're making it work. One week of airballing, I'm just turned into total condescending prick.
0: (laughs) I would respect it. I would respect it. But anyway, Pete, we got one more game on Tuesday. Uh, This the over/under here has has moved a little. It it might not be available in some spots, so I'm I'm putting it at fifty. I don't know what it is, but. Uh, the the team totals here, uh, Buffalo, I have I have for 29.3 implied points. Either way, they're favored by eight and a half. Going against Tennessee, who I'm giving 20.8 implied points again. Uh, for whatever reason, because this game has moved around, the over-under is not available, at least from the site that I usually pull from. Um, so I don't know. So take a bet from this one, Pete. If, if the game even plays, I, that's the part that's still screwed up because Tennessee keeps getting positive tests from players, from staff members, from, from fans and well-wishers. Everybody's testing positive for COVID in Tennessee.
1: I know this one is so tricky because this morning they said there was another positive test. I'm like, there's zero chance. And yet they're still saying if there's negative tests tomorrow and Tuesday, I mean, in, in my league, if I had a good option, like I sat Stefan Diggs, like I was just like, I'm not risking it. So hopefully you still have, like ideally you have someone that would play tomorrow that you could then decide, because I think we'll probably know, Um, after tomorrow, I guess something could still happen on Tuesday. Who knows? Anyways, my pick for this is I think Zach Moss is going to be back. I've liked Zach Moss and Singletary pretty evenly. So I assume this would be a hot take to say Zach Moss returns and outscores Devin Singletary.
0: No, that is, I'll give that, I'll give that a, I guess that would be a three pointer based upon our metrics, but I, I feel like that, that spiritually feels like a 10.
1: It's it's yeah, it's a, I think it's a three because he probably projects for, you know, five or six more points. But I, I yeah, I think it's a bit of a hot take. And I I guess the reason I'm doing it is not saying I think he's going to do it for sure. But just saying that I think this backfield is going to be closer to an even split uh, most of the time.
0: No, I think that's fair. And Tennessee run defense, actually, now that I'm looking at it, not good so far. Run defense, never a perfect step, giving up 166 rushing yards a game is a Tennessee defense thus far on the year. And um, I guess I'll have to be contrarian against that. And I'll say Stefan Diggs wins the showdown as the captain for the week. So that'll be, uh, I feel like that's been an established 10 point or something. I'm going for the win this week for the, for my two picks, but yeah, Stefan Diggs being the captain of the showdown.
1: I hope we get this game. Tuesday night football sounds fun as hell.
0: I prefer the Monday night two gamer like that was actually pretty sweet because you got the showdown slate plus like the two game slate so it was kind of two different looks and though I do have to say like the one thing and granted you know we've talked about some of the pro DFS players out there but uh, Pete I don't know about for you because you're doing shows too in addition to, for me this is my one show right now on Sundays but I feel like Sundays for doing the multiple slates it starts to feel like a full time job where you go from one slate especially on the West Coast like I wake up at seven in the morning then do that morning slate then I'm doing the afternoon slate then I'm doing like the the night slate and it's just like oh my God it's actually. I love football, but it's getting a little tedious. <laughs> We're five
1: but and you six. know, you know, you don't have to play every slate. Right, no, but I do because of the first slate so tilting. <laughs> like I gotta get it I, back. I'm I'm pretty settled into. Um, I play the main slate and then I play the showdowns for Sunday night football, Monday night, and Thursday night. That's that's kind of my thing. I haven't I haven't tilt entered any any late slates yet.
0: Well, especially because NBA, like it looks like the Lakers are going to win tonight. I don't know if they actually already they have did, one. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, they were smoking the Heat the last before we started recording. But NBA's gone now. Like it, this is the part that sucks about all the sports lining up is now we're just going to have football. There's going to be nothing else for it. So yeah, like I'll probably be playing even more. I'll be doing the express slates. I'll be doing <laughs> I'll be doing all the the extra degenerate ones where you can only play one game and and half of another game
1: <laughs> are you gonna go riot down at staples center with uh, the rest of the locals tonight? you know i'm not a, i'm not
0: a lakers guy because i'm not a lifelong la person and and i mean i i don't like the bill simmons oh there's an asterisk approach for this all and it just bummed me is out Is that what he, people are saying yeah like i mean that was what he was saying is that like you know they they did have an easy path to it all. The Clippers not getting to the championship or the the conference championship too a bit of a easier path for them. But that's the way that people try to belittle LeBron. I, I get it. Like LeBron is not the most likable dude sometimes unless you grew up with him. And um, you know that's that's great for me. He's the same age, and I'm like, well, screw you, LeBron. I'm, I've had enough of you and your success. <laughs> he's he's a month and a half younger than me, and it um not a person you want in your birth years. LeBron James. If you want to compare yourself to another human being.
1: Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for LeBron despite his kind of public missteps just as a basketball player. uh, I've always enjoyed watching him win and uh, yeah, good for LeBron.
0: I'm I'm more of like a, like a G- uh, Jimmy Butler kind of guy, just because spiritually, I just like the idea of him being like the FU guy, like the guy who curses out the GM and practice, <laughs> like, and then gets traded or like tries to motivate his team. But I've loved what he did, but it just sucked. The Heat were hurt for a couple games in the series, and that's that's a difference in the bubble. But um, shout out the NBA for like sacrificing, <laughs> like, doing this to put an entertaining product out there. I feel like for me, I, I love basketball almost as much as football, might be a, a coin toss between the two. Uh, but like the bubble to me, I know, Pete, you're not as big of an NBA DFS guy, but like very fun experience for them. And I hope they had a good time. I hope all the boys had fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, shout out to the NBA. Like it's the product is so good. I mean, I, I prefer NFL just as what I enjoy, but you can't deny how good the NBA product is and the way they were able to pull this off without all of the madness that we're having to deal with, with the NFL in a non-bubble. I mean, the NBA is just so much more progressive with all of this stuff. So uh, kudos to them
0: all right so let's go and actually you know i should have pulled up the screen here you know i'll do it while we talk but uh, we gotta do the final part here of course the arnie weinmeister giveaway the the index card the the legacy the smithsonian worthy bit of material here that we simply cannot give away (laughs) for whatever reason um unfortunately gina who won the the giveaway initially did not actually reply to us so we went back to the well here we said it on thursday that you had to actually have uh, a comment on the thursday video to be entered to win and pete I'm pulling it up on the screen, but uh, I, I, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do the the final part here? We just want to read the comments and then you and I decide. We
1: do we do we appoint a king here of the Arnie Weinmeister card? Yeah, my issue is I recognize uh, a good amount of these names, and I feel a little like I should recruit, recuse myself from making a, a decision here. I might I might have you hand select the winner for us.
0: All right, I'm going to transition over to the comments. You can see them on the screen. Uh, some of the fine folks there who left us a comment last time um, on Thursday's video with Ian Harditz. Pittsburgh Brew gave us a yinz comment saying Yinzi to have Blender on. I presume he's talking about Jordan Cooper over at Roto Grinders. That dude just makes me make better lineups. Tyson Kerrmeyer saying Frat Boy Piano Man and the Helicopter definitely sounds like a pretty sweet B movie. I am all in. Steven saying the winner should promise to turn already signature into a tattoo. I love what Steven's thinking <laughs> yeah. there. Jason, if I win the card, I'll loan it to Peter till until he has a losing week. And then Jason also followed up with another comment, I think. Uh, though for some reason it's not appearing here. I feel like our YouTube comments are a little wonky with that. Um anyway, Pete, any of these jumping out to you so far?
1: So uh, I love the 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 idea of if he if Stephen were to promise to get an Arnie Weinmeister tattoo with the signature, I mean, just full stop, we would have to send it to him.
0: Uh, we also have Frankie Paleo saying, "I don't actually want the index card; I just want to win the signature. Want to get some of that Peter luck, but wouldn't dare to want to take it away from him while he's on a heater." Uh, Willis is awesome, of course. Our accountant here on Splash Play, so he's already not eligible. But saying hey, having Ian on was cool. He's been an amazing heater. S- about you with the index card, Willis can't win though. I mean, we we're not paying him for anything, but <laughs> that, that
1: would that would be cooking the bucks.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can't. Yeah. He knows that as an accountant, but uh, we you know we just need to say it out here on the air. Unfortunately, Willis not eligible. Matt Hudson, I want the luck loyal listener jesus is lord forever our hand build lineups s johnson 2828 saying ship the luck box and daniel Vaught just saying let's go um man all right so for, if i'm the one who has to pick here i want somebody who's not going to let you continue to have possession of it that's the first of all because i want to see <laughs>
1: I someone see. else needs it and also the the heater ended today so now it's time to ship it out all
0: right so so yeah so maybe this will help you flip your luck the other way um Man, we gave a shout out to Tyson, I think the other day. So I feel like that's, that's his prize. (laughs) So we shouted him out on the show. Um, Doing great though. A Bears expert that Tyson is.
1: What is, what if you say, um, like, I feel like Matt Hudson is the one that just like flat out said, I want it.
0: He does. He wants the luck. He's got the Tommy boy avatar, man. I mean like I want the guys who want to steal your luck. That's what I want. I want them to steal your beauty. Like the old wives' tale about like a if a woman has a baby girl, they're like, "Oh, they steal your beauty." That's what I want this card to be.
1: Well, now that you put it that way.
0: <laughs> I know. They but they can't ever steal your beautiful tan camera pose. That, that's the main thing. <laughs> I'm going
1: I'm going to let you choose though cuz I I know Jason, Frankie, I know Willis. Um I recognize Matt, so uh you YouTube.
0: <sighs> All right, so this is a little bit of bias. I'm not going off of just the comments in this one, but I'm going to give it to Jason Antell because I like to reward the guys who show up every time. Jason, I think, watches a little bit later than some of the other guys who pop in right away. Doesn't mean I appreciate him any less. Doesn't mean I appreciate him any more. But I just want to reward somebody who always gives us a comment, always supports us, and he's got some sort of Route 7 avatar. So uh, root, root, where, I, what's I root have seven?
1: met Jason in real life. Uh, before yes he was uh, he lives in uh, Pittsburgh another another Yinzer there so uh, or outside of Pittsburgh so yes Jason will be very stoked he can put this next to his man's coin in uh in paraphernalia all right so
0: jason you are the winner dm us at splash play pod if not we'll find a way to contact you but it's official the arnie weinmeister card is leaving pete's possession and so goes i've been watching the haunting of bly manor on netflix over the last day which is like the haunting of hill house follow-up it's a they're spooky show but it's also about coming to terms with things and i feel like you know there's enough ghoulish things with this card perhaps that maybe we're either passing a curse or the best thing that's ever happened to jason
1: There you go, Jason. uh, I guess we're only going to find out. You'll have to give us an update on how it goes
0: let us know how it goes and of course leave us a comment if you're mad about this one uh, don't don't actually be mad because <laughs> we'll have more giveaways of esoteric things in the future that you can win but hit the like button give us a comment down below subscribe to the channel do all those things and of course on Apple Podcasts too subscribe and give us five stars and a review because it helps us out so much as a little independent media operation that we are here on this YouTube channel Pete you've had a roller coaster of a day so uh, any plugs you want to hit on anything you have coming up you want to share with the people besides the finest out Apples, of course.
1: No, we're going to get a guest booked again for Thursday night so we can look forward to that. Had a lot of fun with Ian last week. Want to keep that rolling. And uh, yeah, good luck on the waiver wire this week. Get your. Your Colin Johnson, your Travis Fulgums, and then all that good stuff.
0: And get LaVisca Chenault. I'll be his personal PR man here because some of the other people on the show apparently don't want to tout him as much as they should, but he's under 40% owned. I don't know why you wouldn't. It's Visca season in this month moving forward, everybody. <laughs> so get on board. We appreciate I can't you guys. I just
1: for... let you steal my Visca bit. Wow. <laughs> How I'm did
0: gonna, I let that happen? I'm going to tweet about him 10 times a day and make <laughs> it a, a Visca fan account or Visca fan account on Twitter just for that. But uh, we'll be back with you guys Thursday night after Thursday night football so enjoy your weeks and uh hopefully all the games go off and we'll see you guys again soon